0: I like that. I I like that right about now, because in case you were thinking about you were sleepy, you are no longer sleepy, amen? That's good. Hey, I want to say something real quick, too. Uh, You know, I know that when lyrics like that, when they don't show up, that we can be frustrated with those kinds of things, but I assure you, there's no one more frustrated than the people in those sound booths right there. So let's just thank them for all their hard work, all right? I, I know. But you know and so here's what I do there's always a little check in my system when that happens and I realize you know what the devil must not like what's going on here today amen and so I'm so thankful for them and what they do but I also know the lord is doing a great and mighty thing in our church so we praise the lord for that amen amen, amen. so Talking about fitness for the soul. So I don't know, uh, but I hope everybody's still working on getting physically fit. You know, we're at eight days into 2023. Maybe you've been deciding you need to do a little more exercise, take a few more vitamins, or you're cut back on some of your eating and what you're putting in your mouth and all those kinds of things. And, you know, those are good, important. But what we're talking about this year is being spiritually fit. Fitness for the Soul. And today we're going to be looking specifically at Worship Jesus as this month of, of January is all about Worship Jesus. And we're going to pull that from the book of Psalms. And we're seeing in Psalm 8 today. So you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles or in your apps uh, to uh, Psalm 8 as we're going to look at Worship Jesus the Majestic. You know, I was thinking about uh, something that took place a long time ago. In the 1600s, you may remember this history, where Galileo got in trouble with the Catholic church when he discovered that the sun doesn't revolve around the earth. But he discovered rather the earth revolves around the sun. And the church didn't like that. They brought him in, you know, and made him recant and all these different things. And then they placed him under house arrest for the rest of his life because of that. You think, why in the world would they do that? But I think that part of the problem then may still be part of a problem today. And that's the idea that everything must revolve around us. And so there's this pervasive worldly thinking that I am what's most important in my world. I am what's most important in my world. But beloved, in order for our souls to be fit, we must recognize who revolves around whom. And so we must be reminded then for our souls to be fit is that who is truly greater for our lives are to revolve around Jesus and we're to worship him. So fitness for the soul involves having the proper perspective of who God is, but also who we are. And so the psalmist David recognizes, as we'll see here in just a moment, he recognizes the greatness of God. And we'll walk through that in chapter eight here in the book of Psalms. And as David recognizes the greatness of God, beloved, we should too. We should recognize how great God is, but also his grace. So let's take a look and let's worship Jesus, the majestic. And so in honor and reverence to the word of God, if you'd please stand as I read Psalm eight, uh, all nine verses, this whole chapter, nine verses uh, for you this morning. The Bible says, O Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you've established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? You've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's pray together. Lord, as we think about your greatness, like the psalmist David, this is what bubbles up from within each of us who know you as Lord. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And Lord, may we walk away from here today with that sense of your majesty and your greatness, but also to understand your grace. So, Lord, I pray that you'd work in every heart and life. Lord, that you draw us to yourself to walk away with a desire to love you even more and to be more like you. Lord, I pray that you'd use what you've given to me, these little loaves and fishes that I'll bring to the people today, and multiply it and use it for your glory. But also, Father, I pray that the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Well, as we look at this passage of scripture, there are three points that I want us to see here. And also, there are two to-dos at the end. The to-dos are what I call, what we call to-dos. These are application points. We apply what we've learned uh, in this passage of scripture, and we apply it to life in order to do. So the first thing they want to see here, a fitness for the soul, worship Jesus the majestic, is to worship Jesus the majestic, for he is creator. He is creator. So as I read this psalm, and I'm thinking about David, who is a shepherding out in the field, you know. Probably shepherding the sheep when he is writing this psalm. And he's probably uh, out in the fields that day. It's probably a beautiful day. And this is in my mind what I see a beautiful day. He's looking out across the hills. Maybe he experienced a beautiful sunrise that morning, or he's still thinking about the glorious sunset he saw the night before. And he's looking out at the beauty of the earth and the beautiful blue sky and maybe the clouds. And he's just marveling at the beauty. He looks and then he calls out and then writes, verse one, what we see here, "O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. You know, every, listen here's what I want you to understand here is as we look through this Psalm, every word of this Psalm declares the majesty of God. Every word declares his majesty, even at the very beginning and at the very end, where he starts and ends with the same words, O Lord, our Lord. Here, these are two different words for Lord, but they, are, shows, they each show the majesty of him. The first word of Lord there, you'll notice in uh, your translations that it is all capital letters all L-O-R-D, all capital letters. And that means that it is the name for God and it's out of respect. It's all in capital letters because in respect for God's personal name. The name where he says that he is who he is. That he, He says where I am who I am, meaning he is the eternal God, that he is the one who always has been and always is and always will be, that he is the one true living God and that there is no other. And then you'll notice the next Lord that's written there, as he says, O Lord, our Lord. That is in smaller letters. And you'll notice that, that that would mean it's a different word for Lord. It's Adonai, which means that he is the ruler, that he is our master, that he is our king. So David is saying, O Lord, you who are the great I am, our Lord, who is my, our master, our king, our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth. The word majestic is is how marvelous, how magnificent, how matchless is your name in all the earth. And he uses the word name because the name represents who he is, who who he he is. So so he's saying you're majestic in all that you are and all that you do and all that you've done, all that you will do. You are the great majestic God. So he's looking out and all of creation now is testifying, you are majestic God. You are great God. From the highest heavens to the lowest depths of the earth, you are the majestic creator of it all. You are the uncreated creator. And as creator, you are majestic and you are mighty. You see, friends, listen, we're on this path of fitness for our souls. So we must recognize and acknowledge who he is as the majestic and the mighty creator. And may we like David here join the chorus of all of creation and call out on a daily basis. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic you are in all the earth. How majestic you are even above the heavens. You're the one true great God. There's no other God anywhere. There's no other God anywhere. There is no other God even in my life but you. Mm. Now, can we say that? Lord, there are you are the majestic God. There's no other God anywhere in all the earth and all of heaven. There is no other God. But can we say that about our own lives? Can we say that? Or do we claim other gods are great to us? Gods of sports and leisure, or gods of money and influence? are gods of ease and success or even the gods of bitterness and unforgiveness, or gods of pride and superiority. You see, friends, these are not gods. These are false gods, and they have been the same ones that have uh, hounded us for generation to generation to generation, and even is still today. No, beloved, as believers, we know that there is only one God who is great. Amen? There's only one who is worthy of our worship, one who is worthy of our praise. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth and in heaven. For he is the mighty and the majestic creator. So who is then this mighty majestic creator? Well, we know that it's Jesus according to the word of God. In John chapter one, verses one through three, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. That he was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is the mighty, majestic, matchless, magnificent creator. Come on now, right? That's who he is. He's the majestic creator, and we see his majesty and his might in all of his creation. That's what David sees here. But also we see that he he is mighty, and he uses the weak to overcome the enemy, he is, we see his strength and how he uses the weak among us. Look, that brings us to verse two. Look at verse two. He says, Out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. No, he's saying, look, God uses the babies and the infants. And these, those words can literally mean small children or toddlers even. But he's saying, look, that our God is majestic and mighty as he uses even the weakest among us to steal or to stop or to silence the enemy. That tells us that God is so mighty and so majestic and so wonderful. He is able to use the weakest among us to proclaim him, to give him glory, to reveal his majestic handiwork. I'm reminded of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 through 29. He says, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So what that tells us is, look, that our majestic creating God It has used the small, the insignificant, the weak to do great things for His glory. We see that even Jesus shows us in Matthew twenty-one how He applies this verse to Himself after the triumphal entry coming into Jerusalem and after the cleansing of the temple. We see how the how God used even children to still or to silence the enemy. Look at that verse in Matthew 21, verses 15 through 16. And so this is after the triumphal entry, after the cleansing of the temple. It says, when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children, look at that, crying out in the temple, and they're crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. They, those chief priests and scribes, they were indignant. And they said to him, Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read, and here he quotes this verse, out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. So God here is using children and their praises to speak truth about who Jesus is. He's the promised Messiah. So he is majestic and he's the mighty creator who uses the weakest among us even to proclaim him. Say, well, how does that apply to us today? Well, some would say, well, you know, you know, I want to follow Jesus, and I have a heart for Jesus, but you know what, Pastor? I just, I just can't tell other people about Jesus. Uh, you know what, Pastor? I can't give my testimony. You know, Pastor, I, I, you know, I understand that we're supposed to be faithful to the Lord, but, you know, I just can't leave everything and go off somewhere to be on mission. I just can't do that. I can't follow the leadership of the Lord. I mean, what would my friends think? What would my family say? And my question to you would be, you say you can't. Is it that you can't or that you won't? You see, I'm here to tell you today that God used the small and the insignificant and the weak to do great things for his glory. And he can use you. So why not let the Lord use you? And if he calls you to these things, and as he calls you to these things, listen, for you to disobey God is to say that you do not believe that he is able, that you do not believe that he is mighty God who can do whatever he wants to do through you. To disobey God is to say, I don't really think he's the one true living God. He's not really my master nor my king because I'm going to do what I want to do on my own. I'm on the throne of my life. i tell you something, friends. God uses the weakest among us to bring glory to himself. He can use little children to steal and stop the enemy. And you know what? We saw evidence of that already this morning with the baptism, did we not? With children and a young student God used them today as they profess their faith in Jesus Christ through baptism, and the enemy has no power over them because they now belong to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. God, he, he can use children. He can use you. He is the majestic creator who is almighty, and he is faithful. Amen. Amen? So worship Jesus, the majestic. He's creator. And then secondly, one of the things we want to see here is that he is compassionate. So maybe this same day that David is looking out among the hills and looking at the glorious sunrise and the sky and the clouds and all the things that caused him to think about the beautiful day, maybe it's become night now, and he's laying in the fields, maybe by a fire, and he looks up and he sees the handiwork of God. You know, there were no street lights back in that day and no uh, lights from the city Uh, Close by, he's out in the middle of a field. He looks up and he can see as many stars as you can begin to fathom. As deep and as far as he can see, there's stars in the night sky. Innumerable amount of stars. And the moon in its place. And he sees the handiwork of God. And then he says these things in verse 3. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. He is pondering the majesty of God that he is able to create every single one of these stars, knows each one of them, and has put each one in its place and the moon in its place. And then we see as he ponders these things, verse four, he says, Oh God, when I look at your fingers, the, the, the works of and, and your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Who am I in the midst of all that you have done? Who am I? Who is man that you would care for us in such a way? He has said, oh, the great I am, who is my king and master. How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. You're the great God, his majestic creator, but also you are majestic in your compassion toward us. As I look up at this night sky and see the moon, the millions of stars, I acknowledge and recognize this is what you have done. And you've put all these in place and what a great and majestic God you are. What is man? That you're mindful of him and the Son of Man, that you care for him. Compared to God's greatness and his great works, beloved, Paul, I mean, David is pondering, but we are but dust specks. We're just particles of mist in the air. And yet, he says, you are mindful of him. You're mindful of us. That means that he is aware of us, that he remembers who we are, that he knows us and all that's taking place. I didn't use this in the uh, illustration in the first service because I didn't get permission from Lydia to to tell this story, but I got it before I came up here. So I want to tell you this story. To think about this mindfulness. We were on our way to church this morning. I don't know why we were talking about this. Uh, But we're talking about when she had her wisdom teeth removed, which has been another year or so ago. And one of the things about Lydia is that she absolutely does not like needles. All right. And so she said, all right, I want to have the laughing gas. I want that gas uh, to be given to me so that I won't feel or see any of those needles. So they took her back. And then Mama and Angie and I went and you had to wait. This was during COVID. So it must have been 2020. We were sitting out in the car and uh, we... They finished up, and the first thing you know, when people have have had the IV stuff, you just never know what they're going to say, right? And with our other children, it's always been rather comical uh, as to you know what what they said, and so when we got Lydia in the car, she, the first thing, and really the only thing she said was, "They lied to me." <laughs> I said. What do you mean they lied to you? They didn't give me any gas. I saw that needle and I felt that needle. <laughs> Daddy, you need to do something to get your money back or something. <laughs> she said, I was fully aware of what was taking place. I thought about our passage of scripture today. She was mindful of what was taking place. The Bible says the Lord is mindful of us, fully aware of what's taking place. He knows us and all that's taking place in us and remembers who we are. You see, friends, as David writes this, he says, what is man? And he talks about the son of man. And those two words for man are different. Just like the words for Lord are different, these two words for man are different. For man, the first one what is man, it emphasizes a word that emphasizes man's weakness and man's frailty. And the, the second one, the son of man, is the, the, the big overall picture of man, meaning humankind, which points us to how we're dependent on people who passed down through the years to, to we get to where we are today. We're, we were dependent on our parents who were dependent on their parents to be here, to be alive. So we're dependent on others. And as you think about what David is saying here, as he's talked about the greatness of God and now the frailty of man, this is quite the contrast Uh, Between these two words. So it seems to me that he's saying, while man is certainly weak and certainly frail, that's not who God is. That he's the great I am. He's the majestic and the mighty creator. And while man is dependent on his parents at birth and continues to depend on others, that's not who God is. He's the majestic king and the maker of all. That he's dependent on no one. So David is saying, look, you are the great and majestic God and we are not. But yet you know us and you're mindful of us and you're merciful to us. And the Bible says we see that because he says you care for him. So we look at this saying, wow, how majestic is your name, O Lord, that you are compassionate God toward us. So here's what we need to hear is that, you know, he is great. Our God is glorious and he is majestic, but he is also gracious. He is compassionate. And we see the compassion of God all through the scripture. We see our majestic God who's compassionate in the Old Testament as he is holy God. He's the mighty creator of it all. And yet we see him with the compassion where he hears the cries of his people who are in bondage and he sends them a deliverer. We see his compassion that even though they continued, his people continued to rebel and disobey and go after other gods. That he sent them prophets, giving them opportunity to repent and to turn to him. We see over and over in the Old Testament where our God it says that he is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And we see all that he has put up with. Amen. To, with people, we say, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic! is your name in all the earth. And then we come to the New Testament and we see him and his great display of majestic compassion as he leaves the glory and the splendor of heaven. And he comes to earth as Jesus, the son of man coming in the form of a little weak baby, taking on mortal flesh to walk among us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And we say, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And we think about how Jesus walked on the earth, and we see our majestic king who had compassion for the multitudes, and we see how he says that they were like sheep without a shepherd. We see that he has compassion on those 5,000 who had gathered and they had nothing to eat, and so he uses the lad's lunch and he feeds all of them because he has compassion on them. We see his compassion of majestic Jesus as he reached out and he touched the one that nobody wanted to touch. He touched that leper and he healed him. Oh, the compassion of Jesus. And we see his compassion as he cared for those that nobody else cared for. He healed the blind beggar and he cured and he called the lame to rise and to walk. We see his compassion of, of majestic Jesus when his disciples were afraid out on that stormy night on the sea as they saw him walking on the water. And he said, take heart. It's I do not be afraid. We see his compassion. We say, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Oh, but friends, listen, but the greatest demonstration of compassion we see of our majestic Jesus is how he cared for us so much that he went to the cross of Calvary and he died in our place and he rose again on the third day. And as he did that, he has given us hope and he's given us forgiveness and he's given us assurance and he's given us life. And so we step back and we say, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic, Majestic is your name in all the earth because of your compassion. Amen? You have saved my soul and you rescued me and you have redeemed me. How majestic is your name in all the earth. You created everything in all the heavens and all the earth and yet you know me and love me, and save me, and guide me, and you walk with me, and talk with me, and you intercede with me, and one day you're going to bring me my heavenly home with you forever. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. This is the majestic Jesus who is the creator who's mighty, magnificent, and matchless, but who also is merciful, who is compassionate towards, towards us and knows us and calls us to himself to be saved. He is creator, he is compassionate, but also the third thing we see here is he is crowned. Yes. He is crowned. Now David now, as we come, we come to the latter part of our chapter here, as he's finishing up his writing, evidently his mind goes back to Genesis 1 and 2 and he thinks about the majestic, majestic creation of man. Verse five, he says, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. So our majestic God made man and he crowned him with glory and honor. So he recognizes then, what this means is that he recognizes that, that man is made in the image of God. But he says he made him a little lower than heavenly beings. That shows us that if we think about man, that means that we don't look down on God. We look up to him right? Because we're lower than the heavenly beings. And then verse six through eight, we see these words. You've given him, you've given man dominion over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. So what we recognize is that when man was created in Genesis chapter one and two, is that man was created by God for dominion and rulership ruling over the works of his hands. But let's be honest, as we look at what is taking place in our world, this is not how things are. It is how things were. And so as David writes this, he is looking back to a pre-fallen world. He's looking back to before sin happened in the Garden of Eden. So now we live in a Genesis 3 world. Y'all with me? We live in a Genesis Genesis 3 world that's broken, where man's dominion over all animals and creatures and beasts is limited. There's some dominion, but not all. We are limited. Okay, y'all with me? You say, wait a minute. Don't we have dominion over all the beasts and all the animals? Well, just ask that woman who stands on the table when the mouse is in that corner over there. You got dominion over that thing? Or the person who doesn't like snakes and they run. Don't you have dominion over that thing? Oh, when you're sitting out on your deck in the summertime and the mosquitoes are buzzing by. You got dominion over them? If you do, I'd like to know your secret. Come on now. You see, it's limited. So we must recognize that because of sin, here's what I want you to hear. I want you to hear this. That because of sin what took place in the Garden of Eden, man is not what he was meant to be. So this passage forces us, as we think about what man was meant to be, it forces us to look forward. To look forward to someone who could restore what man is supposed to be. Someone who could restore what was lost in the Garden of Eden. So we must look forward to the perfect man, right? Look forward to that perfect man, the one who is the majestic man, the one who is the crowned man, who is fully God and fully man, and his name is Jesus, amen? As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter two takes this passage scripture and applies it to Jesus as well. And we see that it's been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You've made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, and putting everything in subjection to him, that's Jesus, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. So, what we know, friends, is that Jesus Christ is the perfect man and he is crowned with glory and honor. And so he has dominion. Over all things, everything is in subjection to him. He is the crowned king of kings and the Lord of lords. And Paul says it this way in Philippians 2, that being found in human form, he, Jesus, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so to the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is the crowned perfect man, fully man, fully God, our Savior, majestic King. O oh Lord, our Lord, How majestic is your name in all the earth. Majestic creator, compassionate and crowned. He is majestic God. As we see who he is, we must acknowledge and recognize that that's not who we are. That he is God and we are not. And we're dependent upon him. Our lives revolve around him. He doesn't revolve around us. Amen? All right, so here's the two to-dos, okay? We've got two to-dos here. Number one, remember this is an application point. This is something we've looked at with our passage of Scripture. And our first application point to do is this. All right, first off, look at the heavens and recognize his majesty and his mindfulness. All right, so it's a, it's a long one. So take time to write that down. But basically what I want you to do is I want you to take some time this week And I want you to spend time looking up into the heavens during the day or at night or both. And as you're looking up into the heavens, I want you to pause and I want you to ponder. You know, the problem is with us today is that we are awful busy, you know? man, we hear a message about the greatness of God. Yes, God is so great and he's so beautiful. And then we'll go out and we get busy with all kinds of things and we forget all about that. So this week, I want you to pause and I want you to ponder. I want you to take time. Get your lawn chair out, even if you've got to wrap up with a blanket outside if it's cold out there. And go out there, and you look up at the skies at night and see all those stars and the moon. Or you, as you're driving along on your journey, take note of the clouds and the beauty of the day. And I want you to recognize who is the maker of it all. You didn't do it. Right? You didn't do it. He is the majestic. He's the mighty one. But also as you, as you pause and ponder the greatness and the beauty of what you see, I want you to think this. Who am I that God would know me? Who am I that God would be mindful of me and realize that he is mindful of you? Amen. So that's the first one. And it leads into the second to-do. And as you... Look, and you pause, and you ponder his majesty, his mindfulness. Then here's the second one. Now worship him. Worship him for his majesty and his mindfulness. Worship him for the glory of who, who he is and what he's done. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And yet you are mindful of me. May you remember his greatness and also his grace, his majesty, and his mercy, and worship him. Beloved, where would we be without Jesus? Where would we be? You know, this week, I know know a lot of you, if not all of you, have been following that story of the 24-year-old Buffalo Bills player, Damar Hamlin, who had the cardiac arrest uh, on the field against the Cincinnati Bengals. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know that story? You know that when that took place, that the CPR was given to him on the field. And I read just this morning, I didn't know this, that, that it, they, they performed CPR for nine minutes on the field. Nine minutes, that's a long time. They performed CPR on him for nine minutes. But he was revived, as you know, and he was taken by ambulance to the hospital. And as of, as of now, he's making improvements, but he's still in critical condition. This week, just a couple days ago, When he was first able to communicate with his doctors, which if you think about this, it's just amazing in itself that he's able to communicate. But when he was first able to communicate with his doctors by writing on a tablet, because he had so many tubes and stuff, you know, down his throat and whatever, he wrote on a tablet and his first question was to the doctors, who won the game? (laughs) Who won the game? You got to love that. To which the doctor replied, you won. You won life. Or you won the game of life. You know, and you think about that, that's true, isn't it? And he's been given a second chance. He now lives because somebody who was trained performed CPR on him at the right place when he needed it. I heard that story this week. Joe came in my office and told me that story this week. And I said, oh, that is such a good illustration. Because the truth of the matter, is, friends, is this, is that there was a day... When each of us were dead. Dead in our trespasses and sins. And just like Damar, we needed someone to rescue us and give us life. I mean, he was on the field. There was nothing he could do to rescue himself. Somebody else had to rescue him, right? That's our story. That's our story. There's nothing we can do to rescue us. We needed somebody to rescue us. And beloved, I'm here to tell you today that his name is Jesus. And he is still in the business of rescuing people. And let me tell you something. He gives people life. I'm not talking about resurrection, like like a resuscitation. I'm talking about he, you are born again, right? It's new life because of Jesus. And so He was, think about this, Jesus was mindful of you as he went to the cross and saved you and has given you life. Beloved, let's worship him, the majestic creator whose compassion, who is the crowned king of glory, who knows you and loves you and died for you. What a savior. What a God. What a life we have because of him. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life today, let me encourage you to turn to Jesus from sin and repentance, trusting that Jesus is the Son of God who died for you on the cross of Calvary and rose again on the third day. He gives life. Trust Him by faith. He is who He says He is, the Majestic, the King of glory, our Savior. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that if there are those here today who've never turned to Jesus, never fully trusted you by faith, that right now in this moment, as we get ready to come to this moment of invitation, that you would stir their hearts, draw them to yourself, just as you've done in my life and you've done in so many others. I pray that this is that moment that they'll, someone will come down, take a pastor by the hand and just say, I need Jesus to save me, to rescue me. I need life that comes only from him. Father, I also pray for those of us who know you already, that as we think about how majestic and glorious and great you are, and yet also how gracious you have been and you continue to be, that you are mindful of us who are weak and frail, totally dependent upon you, and yet you love us and saved us. God, may we walk out into this world knowing that we serve an awesome God who is great and glorious, majestic, magnificent, and matchless, but who is also merciful and mindful. Lord, I pray that we would give you honor and glory and praise you in our spirit and praise you with our lips for how good and wonderful you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna stand, we're gonna sing. You come, if you wanna just come and pray with a pastor or pray silently.